The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. We have a fun Tuesday morning this uh, sh- this morning, I guess. This, midway through the show, we'll be having some fun with audio at the expense of Randy Thompson, who runs an anti-LGBT website, safecalifornia.com, and who refuses to still come on this show. Then rounding out the hour, Robert Larson will join us with his report from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. And maybe, depending on time, we'll have some random news notes for this morning. Uh, but first, we'll start off with our regular contributor, the blogger behind fieldschemes.com, Neil DeMouse. Welcome to the show, Neil. Morning, Heather. Morning. Um, I guess the big news that just came out of nowhere, and especially the location came out of nowhere, was that the Sacramento Kings... And uh, cable giant Comcast are talking about moving the Kings to Virginia Beach with the Com with Comcast building the arena. Uh, a city council hearing will be for where Comcast will present the plans for the 18,000 seat arena will be held today, three o'clock Eastern time. Uh, what's, ser- what's disturbing about the steal for me is that the proposed TIF district, which is the um, taking away sales tax, you know, extra sales tax, assuming it's arena business. It seems would be set up around the ocean and would be part of um, the oceanfront part of the city that would be used for pay for it. Does this sound like Comcast is acting like the mob and muscling in on pristine property that they don't own and putting a tax on it? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of the way TIF districts work. Yeah. If you, you know, draw a big circle around um, the part of town where people are actually going to go and spend money and then take all the money and kick it back to pay for whatever you built there. I, mean, th- th- I should say, it's really early right now. All we know is like a couple of little hints that the mayor of Virginia Beach has dropped, mm-hmm. in one of which he said something about you know, tax revenues from a special taxing district by the oceanfront. So that could mean anything from a special tax just on the arena, which wouldn't be so terrible if it's a tax that's on top of the regular taxes and the regular taxes continue to go to the city. Or it could mean, sure, taking like, you know, a, a mile-long stretch of the beach and saying, okay, let's take all the tax money we would otherwise get from there and pour it into the arena. We just don't know. I mean, the, it doesn't sound promising just because, I mean, there's, there's um, you know, I did I did a piece for Slate recently where I looked at you know what it takes to build an arena and actually have it paid for, and basically it takes being in a really really big city. You know, you can do yeah. it in L.A., you can do it in New York, you can do it probably in a couple other cities, but in Virginia Beach there's not enough money floating around that you can afford to you know pay off an arena and uh, you know uh, fund payrolls for an NBA team or whatever. So. I, I am very skeptical that Comcast is going into this and is going to come in with some kind of deal where they say, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to pay for everything. Um, and, and the mayor sounds like he knows that, too, because he's already talking about you know city money being spent and the state money being spent. Yeah, what's weird about this still, too, is um, I know hearing the Chargers local media, some of it floats up here because of the signal range. Uh, often what's said about the tar- Chargers stadium is that, oh, we don't have enough corporations to sell the box seats. I mean, I don't see... It's a small Virginia Beach is a very small area. How are they going to sell all the luxury amenities that you know teams want to sell these days? 
Yeah, I mean, and the biggest employer there is the Navy, so yeah. it's really not. I mean, and this is the complaint about Sacramento, right? You know, the complaint that the Kings have is, oh, you know, we don't have the uh, kind of corporate presence here that other cities do. Um, Virginia Beach is smaller. You know, if you take Virginia Beach, Norfolk, you know, sort of draw a big circle. Um, it's smaller than the Sacramento area. It doesn't have the corporate presence. It's really not a great location to put an NBA franchise unless you have an incredibly sweetheart deal. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll find out today at three Eastern. But um, and, and again, the Kings owners keep saying, "No, no, no, we're not talking to them." You know, I, I think their exact uh, Joe Maloof's exact phrase was, "We haven't spoken to Virginia Beach," um, which doesn't mean they haven't spoken to Comcast. But um, you know, at this point, they're saying we're not involved at least until the moment in which they announce that they are involved. What does it say about the NBA and them moving out of big markets like maybe Sacramento and definitely Seattle that are in the top 30, and they go to places like Oklahoma City and Memphis and, and um, New Orleans? I think it says that the, the main thing that they're in for is uh, is good arena deals, you know, or rather without a good arena deal, you know, the, your city size isn't going to help you. Um, is kind of the message they're sending, um, and they'd rather have a sweet deal in a smaller city than a than a, a lesser deal in a bigger city, which isn't that unusual. Um, yeah. You know, it's certainly something we've seen in football all over the place. But in football, you know, it actually is meaningful. It it, it makes sense because in football, you know, there's no basically local TV revenue, so where you play doesn't matter at all. Um, the only league that really has done a good job of Putting their city, putting their teams in the largest cities is baseball, and they've been doing that for years. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that so much of the business depends on cable revenue. Yeah, um, that you're not going to see a, t- a t- team. You know, the, the Chicago White Sox threatened to move to Tampa Bay at one point before the Rays were there, and there was no way the Chicago White Sox were going to move to Tampa Bay any more than the Yankees were going to move to Charlotte or anything like that. Yeah, because. You have to be crazy to do that. In the NBA, you just have to be a little crazy. Although, yeah, although the NBA uh, doesn't have a national contract, well, it does have a national contract for the playoff games. I mean, with all these small market teams, how much are the networks willing to pay for, you know, like a New Orleans versus Virginia Beach matchup? I mean, I can't see that value going up. Um, yeah, I don't know what the NBA thinks in terms of, uh, of you know, the value of their national TV deal here. I, my guess is, like, you know, like the NFL and it being in L.A. or not, um, one or two cities isn't going to make a huge difference. I think if the NBA got to the point where all their teams were playing in cities the size of Oklahoma City, or, you know, half or a third or something like that, they might start worrying that next time they go up to negotiate a national TV deal, they're going to be told, Hey, look, you know, you're not in the markets we want. Um, but I think when it's just stuff around the margins, I don't think the league is going to care much one way or another, whether it's you know Seattle or Oklahoma City. Again, they they gain more in the leverage of um, telling cities you've got to build us new arenas um, than they lose in the in the TV market. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean I think that the Kings are going to Virginia Beach. I mean, I I think that. You know, Comcast clearly doesn't have anything to lose by proposing this thing. The worst thing that happens is either it doesn't happen or, you know, it turns out that they don't get the Kings and they start talking about building an arena like Kansas City did without a team for it, with just a sort of vague <laughs> promise. Um, you know, there's no downside for them. If it doesn't work, if the numbers don't work out, they just bail. Um, and for Virginia Beach, 
you know, their mayor gets to say, hey, look, you know, we're, we're a major league city, we're being considered as a major league city, so there's no real downside for, for him either. So, uh, you know, it, again, this stuff could be real or it could be just, you know, um, trying to get on the television, although they, they could have picked a slower news day. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that the, the um, what is it, legitimate rape day? <laughs> no, I'm saying that the the, uh, the council hearing is today. Oh, oh, okay. And uh, and you know, there's, there's going to be a couple other things on TV <laughs> between the convention and the second destruction of New Orleans. Although I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking that it the actual announcement came on that day that oh, we might be going to Virginia Beach. That's what I was. <laughs> that might have been as well. They, they, you yeah. know, I mean. I wouldn't put it beyond them to have perfectly bad media timing. Yeah. Another issue with this arena is that since Comcast and Live Nation are going to be operating this arena, they're not going to be able to get away with, um, the Kings aren't going to be able to get away with a really sloppy, you know, easy uh, arena contract. How is the stadium lease pie going to be split so everybody's happy? Yeah, I have no idea how that's <laughs> going to work. I mean, there, you know, there are certainly teams that, that are uh, in arenas that are operated by, you know, Comcast or AG or any of these, you know, big corporations. So it's not, it's not like uh, uh, it can't be done. Um, but again, it's not like there's going to be a ton of money floating around to pay off those guys and to pay for, uh, for arena construction. And that's why I think, you know, again, it's all reading tea leaves at this point, but yeah. it seems like the way it's headed is a lot of tax kickbacks plus state uh, subsidies. And, you know, that's just a crazy thing for Virginia Beach to do. I mean, there's, there's a little evidence that you get a little bit better economic bang for your buck if it's the only team in town just because, you know, it gets, it's not competing with an existing team for, for entertainment dollars. Yeah. You might actually get some people traveling there who otherwise wouldn't. Um, that's still not to say it's a good idea to throw $300 million at one of these things. What are the Maloofs doing to attendance in Sacramento um, with all these, like, well, where we might move here or we might move there? I mean, is it going to end up, like, dead inside the arena in Sacramento? or um, As if it's not now. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, I don't know. I, this, is, this is a big problem um, overall. You know, we're seeing the same thing in baseball right now where the bottom two teams in attendance are the A's and the Rays, even though they're, like, I think 1-2 or 1-3 or in the wild card race. Um, so, you know, it, it makes it very hard to build attendance for your team when, A, there's threats of the team leaving, but also when you're, you know, constantly talking down your current building, you know. Come on out to see our team, you know, in this crappy place that we can't wait to get out of. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not going to be pretty for, for Sacramento until this thing gets resolved, you know, just in the same way it wasn't pretty in Seattle when the when the Sonics were talking about moving. But again, that's the kind of short-term loss that I think team owners are willing to take yeah. um, if eventually it will get them, you know, an but arena, whether it's in Sacramento or Virginia or Seattle or who knows where. <laughs> yeah, and funnier NBA news, uh, arena news, uh, the Nets' new home in Brooklyn, the Barclays Center, is set to open in the beginning of the NBA season. The problem, don't walk near it when it rains because the facade is made out of weathering steel and you'll get rust on yourself. Um, with the success of the Omni Coliseum in Atlanta, uh, is this a new white elephant? I mean, you know, the, it's not like the arena is going to fall down, you know. It's just the facade, <laughs> so um, at least it's not like uh, uh, you know, New Haven Coliseum where they had to close the thing down because it was pretty much, pretty much falling on people. Um, <laughs> that said... 
I mean, the the Deadspin article that talked about uh, all the problems of weathering steel. The first uh, the first comment referred to it as looking like a giant dog turd. I think <laughs> that that I pass by this building a lot. That probably is a generous assessment. It's not does not look good. You know, all the renderings. This is this is just really a sign of having to take any architectural renderings with a grain of salt because it looked like this sort of nice sort of orangey like you know bright color that you know maybe would be kind of an interesting different look this thing does not look good it looks <laughs> rusty and old and brown and gross yeah um and um you know it was the the a last minute architectural decision that was made because they've had to cut costs um, and because the initial uh, renderings were, were criticized, so this is kind of what they threw at the wall and what stuck. You know, it's a, you have to be careful, and this is, this is why you would hope that, you know, when public entities are putting a lot of money and a lot of effort into these things, that there would be a little bit more oversight because, I mean, you know, the, the Nets, aside from the fact that uh, their fans are going to have to <laughs> get dripped on on rainy days, <laughs> Offer <laughs> free towels or something. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from that, the Nets are still gonna are still gonna do okay. It's everybody who lives around there is gonna have to look at this thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's you know that that that's unfortunate. Um, but uh, you know we're stuck with it now at least until uh, the thing looks so awful that I don't know five or ten years from now they decide to go out and take a take the. Uh, covering off and put a different facade on it. And when I saw it, Brooklyn is known as being kind of a hipster neighborhood now, and we have these things in Orange County called the Anti-Mall, and they have lots of that material all over the place, and so I thought it was just the architectural firm trying to look like hipster architecture. Uh, it's very possible, um, and, but again, it doesn't... It does, I don't... I, I don't know. If that, if that hipster <laughs> architecture, maybe this is a good sign that hipster architecture is not not something to build for the uh, for the long term future. Yeah. In another, well, in another uh, case of a business, um, let alone a sports team, wanting to unload more externalities on the city, the Washington Nationals had a game this week that ran 13 innings after a rain delay, and the fans went to the mass transit system after the game only to find it had stopped running. The NHL Capitals and NFL Redskins both pay the transit authority to keep additional hours. I know as a mass transit rider in general, I'd like more hours open. Um, who do you think pays for this? So what, will the um, Nationals give in or will D.C. give in? You know, I don't know. Um, it seems like this is kind of the opening gambit of a negotiation for um, a whole bunch of things that the Nationals want uh, for when they finally make the playoffs this year. Um, when because games are definitely going to start later, right? It's not going to be seven o'clock games. You have these eight twenty um, Eastern time starts for TV, so the games are going to go past midnight. Um, and they want you know the ability to close down some surrounding streets for extra concessions and other things like that, extra police. So you know this could just be uh, be a negotiating tactic, but you know apparently um, DC used to pay for extended uh, train hours and then realized that they were sort of doing this favor to the teams that uh, that the teams you know weren't paying anything for. So two years ago they changed the rules and said okay, oh, okay. you guys have to start have to start paying. I think it's like thirty thousand dollars an hour or something like that, which is not an awful lot of money um, no. in the grand scheme of things for a team. And the Redskins and the Capitals said okay, and the uh, and the uh, the Nationals, for whatever reason, said no. Um, yeah, it was. I think what the the problem was that you know it's a fairly new team, it's a fairly uh, you know and a fairly new policy, so fans weren't expecting this. 
um, I've talked to other friends in other cities, and you know, they say, like in Boston, for example, if a Red Sox game runs late, everybody knows that the uh, the the uh, is going to stop running, um, and just figures, okay, well, you know, <laughs> you know, I think the cab companies, as soon as they hear that the game's going extra inning, all run down to the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, maybe it's just going to take DC a little while before it develops that uh, that taxi infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, I can um, see cabbies but, tuning into the Red Sox games, crossing their fingers for extra innings. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, it's another, it's yet another one of these squabbles. You yeah. Know, just, it, 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 the 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 fight over who pays for things never ends. Yeah. Even once the building is built. Well, it would come out to eighty-eight fifty, eighty-eight thousand five hundred dollars if the Capitals and Redskins both got free stuff too. So I mean, if one gives in, then the other ones are like, hey, why are we paying for it? So in a way, I hope Washington D.C. wins this one. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean it's it's certainly a reasonable request. Um, yeah. But like I said, you never know how how these <laughs> things are going to end up getting negotiated. They could get up getting traded off for something else. You know, yeah. we'll pay for the for the metro, but you give us uh, enough extra police that it, we wind up coming out ahead. Yeah, so it wouldn't be a Tuesday morning with Neil without more news from about the franchise that has been in the longest limbo in sports history, most likely the Phoenix Coyotes. What's in the latest news in Glendale? So. The latest is, is so we've, we've got this thing where the, the city is supposed to be giving the new owner of the Coyotes about $200 million worth of subsidies so that he can buy the team for $170 million. And I really never get tired of saying that <laughs> no, where the city is going to give somebody $200 million so that he can buy the team for $170 million, and he still has had a hard time coming up with investors. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so the latest is the sales tax hike that was supposed to pay for some of this um, is getting challenged, and a court said it's going to have to go on the November ballot, it looks like. So we're probably going to get holed up for a little while longer. I mean, they've already postponed the uh, the final deadline of the sale a couple times, and, you know, now it's the end of September, and I don't think it's going to, you know, they'll probably end up delaying it until after after this November vote if uh, if it does go on the ballot. And then if uh, people vote it down, then does Glendale try and find another way of coming up with the money? I, I suppose so. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that the, the Phoenix Coyotes have been cursed to live in this ownership limbo <laughs> for the rest of eternity. Um, and, you know, if they ever finally do, uh, uh, you know, find an owner and the, when he's out there about to sign the check to buy the team, like there'll be like a meteor strike or something like that. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> or get... I, it, some, some, someday these coyotes will actually uh, will actually be sold, and I will be astounded. He, he might, or they might get an owner like Bruce McNall that was engaged in fraud. Yeah, no, sure, they could get one like like uh, John Spano, the guy who tried to buy the Islanders years ago and turned out uh, didn't actually have any money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it is... I have to say, it is the NHL here, so really anything is possible. Wow, that's that's a slogan, the NHL, anything's possible. Well, <laughs> thanks, Neil, for f- joining us on the Heather McCoy Show. He runs a blog site you have to go to, fieldofschemes.com, to catch up with the latest uh, stadium issues, and there was a lot more. This was a busy week, and we didn't have all, everything to cover, but uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. All right, take it easy. Talk to you next week. Okay, this is the Heather McCoy Show.